In their study, Play It Loud, Brad Tulinski and Alan DePerna suggest the electric guitar's enshrinement in our cultural pantheon was cemented in 1977 when NASA launched two spacecraft whose missions were to explore the outer limits of our solar system and beyond. Voyager 1 became the first human-made object to venture into interstellar space and carried on about 12 billion miles from our sun with Voyager 2 on its heels. Packed away on each vessel is a 12-inch gold-plated phonograph record containing 115 sounds and images carefully curated to portray the diversity of life and culture on Earth. Each disc was encased in a protective aluminum jacket, together with a cartridge and a needle, and instructions in symbolic language indicating how the record was to be played. A team led by the astrophysicist Carl Sagan chose a precious handful of musical selections from different cultures and eras to include along with a variety of natural sounds. There were pieces composed by Stravinsky, Bach, and Beethoven, as well as traditional songs from Peru, Zaire, and Senegal. Among this sonic panoply was Johnny B. Good, the stomping American rock and roll anthem written and performed by Chuck Berry. was a controversial selection, but Sagan, a child of the modern era, understood there were few sounds in our world more exciting and life-affirming than the opening electric guitar lick to Barry's classic song. Before the electric guitar could be shared with the cosmos, though, it had to find its place at home. The story of how it did so is an epic tale of television stars, tinkerers, fugitive auto execs, motorcycle daredevils, cowboys, and MIT grads. It's a story of some of the world's most famous musicians whose innovations pushed the electric six-string further. The story of this extraordinary musical instrument is ultimately our story, guitarists and non-guitarists alike. From rabid music fans to casual listeners, its siren call has touched us all. Each February, Northeastern Pennsylvania celebrates the power of the electric guitar as the Scranton Cultural Center presents Guitar Mageddon. This year, it's Friday, February 23rd. Maria Santomaro, programming associate and coordinator of Guitarmageddon, stopped in at the WVIA studios with musician and band leader Phyllis Hopkins from the Wyoming Valley to fill us in on this annual event. Everybody's over talking about COVID, but it still affects us because this is an annual event. So is it 
the eighth year or is it the ninth year? So technically it should be the ninth year, but it's the eighth year because we missed one. So Winter Blues Guitar McGadden started off as a blues jam uh, with some heavy hitting blues guitar shredders that gathered at a music roadhouse in Uniondale called Arlo's. And unfortunately, some of the the key figures are no longer with us, had passed away over the years. Bill Coleman, the bass player, and Eric Brody. They were the rhythm section. The Soul Shakers. Soul Shakers, yeah. With Sharon O'Connell on drums. So that's how it all got started. And then from there, we shifted. It needed to grow. It, It was always regional and local artists, which is still, you know, we still... But it's grown that we incorporate touring blues artists now that are international and and national touring artists. So it's come a long way. I'd like to think that Eric and Bill are proud. I know the year year before last, I think it was two years ago, we presented the Soul Shakers with an award. And I'm so glad we got to do that before sickness fell in and, and, and whatnot. So here we are. Tell us about your special space. So our main stage, which normally plays out to a house of over 1,800 seats, that same stage can flip and play into a grand ballroom that can be set up any any way we'd like, depending upon the furniture, or or it could be standing room only, or it could be banquet style, or what I like to call cabaret style. Now, it's a huge room. You know, you could fit, you know, three or so hundred people when there's tables. So we try to make it as intimate as possible in that grand space, come up as close to the stage as possible and close to each other. So there's lots of tables. So it's like a giant blues room, if you will, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, that's the whole idea. And the lighting is great and the atmosphere is great. We've got a a bar set up with with refreshments and snacks and things like that. So people can easily get up from their table, go over and get their refreshments, go back to their table and still enjoy the music as it's happening without having to leave the space. The musicians get to set up their merch tables and they get to interact with their fans. So it's really great because unlike some of the larger venues um, that some of these touring artists might play, you don't get that, you know, unless it's in a blues right. club itself. But sometimes the festivals are so vast, you know, there's just so many people there that uh, they don't get that one-on-one personal experience. Have you played the guitar Mageddon before, fellas? I opened on with the Soul Shakers. They asked me to play with them. And I also opened Briggs Farm. I am not joking. It's very strange. And the first time I did it, it was like a walk-on. There was no rehearsal. I was like, okay, now we're going to go play in front of all these people without a rehearsal. Not with my regular band. But it turned out really great. It was a really fun experience. And I think it, it, it kind of sets up like when you watch those movies where they're sitting at cocktail tables and the candles and, the, and there's a show going on. That's what it kind of reminds me of. A time gone by. And it's really cool to bring it back. From a musician standpoint, when you're standing on the stage, what did that feel like for you as a musician to see that big room like that filled with? Well, it's great. And I like intimate. I'm more uh, like if people are far away and I'm playing, I feel weird. I feel strange. But I, I like when like people are up close. Yeah, and the fans like it too. Unlike that very first time, you're bringing your regular band then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and trio. Trio. And you have a remarkable life in blues because you didn't start for a while. Well, you know what happened was I didn't start playing guitar until later in age, much later in age. I was like 24 when I really started playing. And most people, when they start, they're like 5, 10, 14. And I was feeling like three years that I, I got out and played. You know, sometimes it always felt like, well, I have to catch up to these people. But 
now I'm glad I stuck with it. It's a lot of fun now. Did you do piano before that, or did you know just that was no it? No musical thing. My <laughs> family's all sports, so... I mean, I have uncles that were into music and cousins, but my, my parents were sports. And you know? where were you listening? Were you listening to the radio, listening well, to... You know, when I grew up, when I was a child, the first thing I asked for was a record player. And my, my mother used to listen to the Diana Ross and the Supremes, Elvis Presley. So that was my first introduction to music. And I used to listen to that. And then as I got older, I, I really got into rock first, like Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith. Those kind of bands led me to blues. And my favorite songs by them were always the blues songs. And then I was with a friend and he had B.B. King on. And I was like, what is this? I never heard anything like this. And then, so I, I heard B.B. and then I heard Stevie Ray. Well, Stevie Ray was like, that's it. I went for guitar lessons. And then, you know, I took lessons off of Stingray, Ray Del Pryor. He's a, he's a popular person around here. That was it, and you haven't looked back? Not really. I do do different styles. I'm not just, just blues. Uh, I did do just blues when I first started, though, because that was the thing you had. It just seemed like that was the thing. You know what I'm talking about, right, Mary? Totally, so, totally. But I do enjoy different genres of music, and especially writing. If I'm writing music, I can't just write in 12-bar blues. I, I have to expand. I don't like to say, oh, I'm going to write a song and just limit myself to a certain amount of chords or whatever, or anything. I don't like to have limits on that. What about recordings? You have some CDs, do you? Yes, I have four CDs, yes. And I even have a song that I did with George Wesley, and I know. I'd like to interject something yeah. about Phyllis, though, because she is fantastic. And not only is she a great guitar player, but she's got a phenomenal voice. And she has a following, too. So people do know who Phyllis Hopkins and the Electric Trio are. And it's funny because when we first announced the show with the date and all that on, on social media, the comments that we were getting on Facebook was like, yeah, Phil, I'm there. She's a local favorite. Yeah, for sure. And she's got a very, very tight band. Who are you playing with? Well, I have Nolan Ayers on bass and Julio Caprari on drums. And we've been playing together for 11 years. Minus a year for COVID. <laughs> Maria, this would be enough to have Phyllis and the Electric Trio, but you have other guests. Oh, we do. So we've got our local favorite, Phyllis Hopkins and the Electric Trio. And then... Regional touring artist, well, no, I'm sorry, he's international touring as well, is the Dave Keller Band, and he's Vermont-based. That's an interesting trio as well. He's on fire. He's got a lot of energy that he brings to the stage. So he's more like that electric rock as well. What I love about this particular show every year, I try to balance it out with three very distinct different sounds and personalities and, and groups. So this is going to be rounded off really nice. And then our headliner is, they're huge. They are just huge. They're an international touring power couple. And not only are we celebrating the blues with this particular group, it's the Chambers Delorier band. It's Anika Chambers and Paul Delorier. So Anika is a Houston, she's from Houston, Texas. Big presence, big stage presence, gospel voice, um, she likes to say that her sound is like if Coco Taylor, Tina Turner, and Aretha Franklin had a baby. <laughs> Those are her words. I might have had the order mixed up, but pretty much her words. That's how she would like to think her sound is. It's big, it's bold, it's sassy.
she's she's amazing. And Paul, in his own right, he's from Canada, and he is a guitar shredder and can sing. He's got a beautiful, sweet voice, and they're both very soulful and 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 bluesy. And the energy, though, the chemistry that they have together as a music duo is it's on fire. It's just so high energy. But they ended up falling in love at the International Blues Challenge in Memphis. I get the chills. So that was in, I think it was in 2019. And like, it was like a whirlwind romance. They got married and now they are a group together. So we're kind of getting two bands in one here. So it's going to be great. All three of them. So we've got Phyllis, Phyllis Hopkins Trio, Dave Keller Band and Chambers Delorier. Both artists are BMA. She's a three-time winner. Two or three time for best soul blues female artist. And then 10 time nominee, I think. And uh, Dave Keller had three nominations. And then Paul has also had his own. He being from Canada, his awards were the BMA, the Maple Awards, the equivalent of the BMAs. Let's go back, Phyllis, to your songwriting. What inspires your lyrics? It comes from different areas. You know, I've written reggae, R&B kind of stuff, blues I'm not like a writer who writes all the time. You know, like there's people that write every day and I don't do that. I get inspired. Sometimes I'm just bored with what I'm hearing and I want to play something I want to hear. (laughs) So I'm like, well, I think I'm going to write something that I want to be playing or hearing. I I do use other people as inspirations without plagiarizing or anything like that. But definitely you, you can't help but be influenced. Lyrically wise, my influences probably come from U2, Bono. In Led Zeppelin, I would say, uh, guitar style. Whew, that's a that's a big variety. I love Santana. Are there singers you'd gravitate to? Well, even though she's a lot younger than me, <laughs> I love Alicia Keys. She's my favorite living singer now. Joss Stone, I love. Shamika Copeland, yes. Yeah, sometimes I put somebody singer in the the way they emulate things in my head before. You know, I definitely wrote a song called "Throw Me a Line" where. I definitely had Shamika Copeland. I definitely had her in, in my mind when I, I wrote the song. In fact, I actually sent her the song and was hoping she would record it, but I never heard anything. So and somebody it, heard it that knows her and they they were like, oh, I could, I, they thought it was Shamika, which was kind of funny. Not that I'm comparing myself to her because I'm absolutely not. You have that crisp voice. Shamika has that there. voice that like the paint feels yeah. right off the wall when she yeah. sings. Yeah. yeah, it's like, uh, wow. I mean, I, and yeah, I saw powerful. her at the uh, jazz cafe when I was just was first starting out playing, and I did get to play with her. And I did hear Anika on YouTube. You could find a lot of stuff. I can't wait to see them. I'm looking. I'm I'm going to hang out. So. Well, you know what happens to a lot, and you get different musicians together on the same gig. So you're there all day. You have sound check and especially at the cultural center because there's all these wonderful spaces acoustically and i hear musicians will go off into the stairwell and and be practicing and you can hear it echoing throughout the building and then they're kind of like playing off of each other and complimenting each other and the next thing you know they're they're kind of jamming and i hear a lot of creative things from from those moments that's the beauty of my job and I do love featuring a mix of artists. I try to, it's it's still a small showcase right now. Hopefully one day it'll grow to multiple days. We may get there, we may not, but I do like to keep it as diverse as possible. And I love to feature the, yeah. the female I think artists. I think Picking up on what you just said, 
there, Maria. We know this year everybody's talking about the women who dominated the Grammys. What about the work that you do as a blues artist? Does that come up? Does that matter to you that you're a woman who happens to be a musician and fronting a band and that sort of thing? Does that uh, figure at all in... Well, in- I think it used to, but there's a lot more now. Like when I first started, there wasn't any. You know, there wasn't really many at all, especially that played like lead guitar and stuff like that. But I think there's more female artists out there now. Still not a, a lot of female fronting guitar players. Still don't really have a lot of that though. I always, I just never consider myself, oh, I'm a girl playing. I always tried to do what the guys did all the time, you know, like so sometimes I just forget that's even a thing now because I've been doing it for so long. But it is, it is still yeah. cool to see a woman up there playing guitar. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, a no, it's still a novelty. That's still a novelty. As far as we've come, there's still a long way to go. And I think that's with every industry, but I think especially in music, but it, there's more and more, which is inspirational. And obviously this year with the Grammys, I mean, it was a big year for women. That's yeah. for sure. But look at all the women that have paved the way, right? And especially those that did things their way, despite what those that were managing them or whatnot were telling them to do. They, they still stay true to their own self. So those are the trailblazers that we look up to. Maria, since you've been doing it all these years running, eight or nine, what do, what do you find? People really are hungry to get out together and move and shake. Well, you know what? It's perfect time of year. I think it's a perfect time of year just because with the hustle and bustle of the holidays and then you know you reach January that's kind of like a it's a low but I think that that's a planning time for everyone so it's quiet it's a time to plan it's a time to create and then originally when we first started planning this I was a little nervous about doing this in February there's a couple of reasons why we did a the cultural center is an indoor space so we always fare out better in the colder days because we're an indoor space B, most of the music festivals are outside, so we wouldn't want to compete with that. And then, of course, February is a time of year where people are still kind of cooped up inside, but they're itching to get out a little bit, and and they do. And the one thing about the blues community is that they will, if there's a certain artist on the bill, they'll they'll travel to get there. There's a lot of yeah. folks that come down from the, the Binghamton area, a lot that come up from the Lehigh and Jim Thorpe area and then even out toward Bloomsburg and then, and I I have to mention this, is that Briggs Farm is what also inspired this too. So it was kind of like the Briggs Farm inspiration. And, you know, of course I know Richard because we both worked here. And then of course the Arlo's. And so it was really a conversation that I had with Bill many years ago that we moved forward in in working to, to make it happen. Maria Santamaro, Programming Associate and Coordinator of Guitar Mageddon at the Scranton Cultural Center, with musician and band leader Phyllis Hopkins and her electric trio. This is the group we're hearing now. musician and band leader Phyllis Hopkins here. And they spoke with us about Guitarmageddon number eight at the Scranton Cultural Center. And it's going to be this Friday evening, February 23rd. 
gets underway at 7.30, and the Cultural Center is located at 420 North Washington Avenue in Scranton. Phyllis Hopkins and the Electric Trio, Dave Keller Band, and the Chambers Delorier Band as well. For more information on the web, scrantonculturalcenter.org, scrantonculturalcenter.org. It's in the Grand Ballroom at the Cultural Center, 420 North Washington Avenue, this Friday evening. That's the 23rd of February at 7.30 p.m. Phyllis Hopkins, Electric Trio, Dave Keller Band from Vermont, and the Chambers Delorier Band, international artists. Armageddon number eight, Friday evening, February 23rd at 7.30 at the Scranton Cultural Center. For more information on the web, scrantonculturalcenter.org. Phyllis Hopkins and the Electric Trio there with Just Chillin'.